Okay, here we go. Let's move on. We're in Joseph, week two, the influencer. Uh, hashtag influencer, if we're tweeting away or Facebooking or Instagramming or whatever you're doing. Uh, and we're thinking about this young lad who went from obscurity to become one of the most influential, if not the most influential man on the face of the earth at a most crucial time in history so that many were saved. And we've been saying already that his story, Joseph's story, is also our story. Why? Because God calls all of us to rise up wherever we are and to become people of great influence. To become people that are are able through the Spirit's work in us to exert an influence that's far greater than we might imagine and far greater than humanly would be possible. Joseph's story is miraculous in so many ways. And that's to be our story too, that in a a miraculous way with a supernatural God, we would influence the situation situations and circumstances around us far more than we might ever imagine. And then last week we reminded ourselves about his family, his background, his circumstances, and it could have been any worse, any harder, any more difficult for Joseph to rise above the mire and the hate and the dysfunction of his family background and his teenage experiences. And it's a reminder therefore to all of us to all of us, that there's nothing that needs stop us reaching God's potential for our lives. Nothing. There is no reason why God's kingdom purpose in you and in me will not break through to fruition. And it it, it causes a check in our lives. All the times we go, but if only, if only that was different, I'd be really useful to God. If only that was different, then I could really push on with what I sense God, God's asking me to do. If only that happened, then I'll be ready. And we live with this if only. And there were a thousand if onlys for Joseph. Everything was wrong. And yet here, right at the beginning, 17 years of age, God plants a vision, a dream in his life. And that, I think, is one of the key reasons, and there'll be others, but one of the key reasons why Joseph was able to hold his life on course with God, come what may, whatever was thrown against him. Because he had this vision in his heart that somehow God had grabbed hold of him and gripped him with a truth. And however unlikely at times it must have seen, seemed for Joseph, however unrealistic, however full of doubts Joseph must have been, somehow he held on to what God had said until it came to fruition. So Joseph soared then to the great heights of God's purpose for his life because he became gripped captivated by a dream, by a vision of what God was going to do in and uh, through him. It's when a dream or a vision gets hold of us that we get renewed strength and fresh energy. And we can see as we look at history how when someone gets a, a vision, a picture in their lives that motivates them, it drives them forward in an incredible way. 
William Wilberforce, for example, had this, this vision. What would it be like if slavery was to be abolished? And it became a picture, a vision that, that gripped his life and, and pulled him forward against all kinds of difficulty and opposition until he saw that dream fulfilled. That same dream that drives people like Christine Kane and the A21 campaign and stop the traffic and so on. Uh, a picture, what would it mean if modern day slavery was somehow overcome and, and abolished? And that picture, that vision grips some people's hearts and they'll give their life to that purpose. And of course, there are so many other different things. I know, was it last year, the, the, the young people were reading together, chasing the Jack dragon, the story of Jackie Pullinger in the, the ghettos of Hong Kong. And she was gripped by this vision that the power of Jesus can lift young people out of addiction into a life of freedom and purpose. And that motivated her life and her ministry to incredible effect. It's exactly the same kind of uh, vision that grips people like Patrick Regan that work with XLP in London today and so on. It was a dream that drove Martin Luther King to stand up for the rights of the oppressed. I, I have a dream, he says. I have a dream. And so we could go on. Do you, have a, do you have a dream? We have our own very immediate examples. It was the dream of Connor that people wouldn't just walk past the church on a Sunday without being invited and made welcome without the hand of friendship being extended, without the truth of the gospel being made known to them, and Feet for the Street was born. It's the, the dream of Sherry's about Christ Church House just down the road. It's going, actually, young people need and can know the love of Jesus, and so impact was born. It was Elizabeth's dream that you could take something that you love to do, that people will gather around, a love to sow and create. And in that environment, friendships would build and the love of Jesus would made known. And so time to sow emerged from, uh, 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 well, from nowhere, like all of these things. They emerged from a dream, from a, a, a vision. Uh, it was Val who was thinking, what, what would it mean if, if people had a safe place on a, on a Saturday where they could build community, be given certain, supported with certain simple uh, uh, life-enhancing necessities that they need through the week. And so Elevenses emerged. Uh, all because there was a dream, a vision, a picture, something from God that gripped somebody or a few people's hearts. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised at that because Proverbs says without a vision, the people perish. If there isn't a dream, if there isn't a picture, if there isn't something that you're gripped by that you're moving towards, then it, it just, just goes into nothing. Perish is a strong word, really. But it, life just dissipates into a, into a, a nothingness. And, and here then, it's bang up to date. We see that God gave Joseph a dream, a vision. And the dream was given through a dream, as it turns out. So just for a moment, just as a little aside, perhaps as an appendix in the middle rather than at the end, maybe a dream is one of the ways God speaks to you. I mean a physical dream now. I'm using dream in a slightly different way. Uh, you go to sleep at night and sometimes you wake up having had a vivid dream. I don't mean a nightmare. I don't mean the bad pizza from the night before. I mean, sometimes you wake up and you think, wow, that dream is really impressing, imprinting something on my life. Maybe God is using dreams to speak to you. 
And maybe you haven't even thought about that before. But if, if you resonate with what I'm saying, and some of you will go, no, I've got no idea what happens when I go to sleep. Or my dreams are so kind of weird out there, that's definitely not me. Some of you might be going, yeah, I, I resonate with what you're saying. Then begin to take what God might be saying to you in those dreams a little more seriously. Uh, have a notepad by your bed. Write the dream down. Begin to pray over the dream. Share it with someone who's wiser and closer to Jesus than you are. Uh, ask them about it. Maybe that's the way God's getting your attention. Could it be that some of us are so busy in the day that God needs to get our attention while we're asleep at night? However God does it, what we all need is a vision, a dream for our lives that can hold us through whatever might come our way. And so God gives Joseph a dream and it wasn't hard to grasp, at least in outline, what the dream was all about. In fact, the brothers got it straight away. Verse 8, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. Now the Bible never says that it was wise of Joseph to share the contents of that dream with his brothers. And one of the things as God begins to speak to us and if you were part of the prophetic course last week, if you're part of that prophetic journey, as we think about helping to learn how to hear God speak and how we handle it, what we share and when we share out of what God is saying to us is something that's really important. And it lacked a certain amount of wisdom, I think, from Joseph to blurt out uh, what God had said to him. And, and it, it's human, I love it, because Joseph had been got at by his brothers all his life. So as soon as something happened that he could get back at his brothers, he was right in there straight away. He was a normal 17-year-old. He's like you and me, we all would have probably done the same. The second dream then was similar. He had another dream, and another dream. This time it's about the sun and the moon and the stars and all the rest of it. Two dreams essentially making the same point, that Joseph would one day be ruler. I love though the way that there's a kind of main theme, but then there were all kinds of other illusions and pointers in these two dreams that Joseph must have reflected on over the years. Sheaves of corn. Who would have thought that it would have been about corn, that it would be about food, it would be in the midst of a famine, and he would be the provider of corn in the midst of a famine? that the brothers and Joseph would eventually be reconciled and God's great breakthrough would be known. Well, what's this language about the, the moon and the stars? Was it, was it simply saying that Joseph would rule over his mum and dad? Maybe. Was it also saying that Joseph would reach a, a place of ruling across the known world? All of these little kind of nuggets in what God is saying. Uh, and as we've seen so many times, when God speaks, he speaks. And there's all this other, other, other kind of stuff from God going on as we peel back the, the detail of what God might be saying to us. And some of you will know that. You've got a dream, you've got a picture, but it's only the outline. Uh, and maybe over some of the years, God's filled in a little bit of the detail. But there's still quite a little bit of grayscale that you're waiting for God to fill in. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So you've got the outline, but you're not quite sure. And Joseph's kind of got the outline. He's got some hints as to some of the details. But he's got to go on what God's 
given him. A dream I think that Joseph would never forget. He must have doubted it a million times. Have you ever doubted the dream that God's given you? He must have doubted it a million times. But somehow it would hold on to his life as he would hold on to God, the dream giver, and he would be pulled through many, many things. If people then, without a vision, without a dream, perish, then I believe God wants to give every single one of us some dreams in our lives. Some pictures of what he's calling us forward into. Some outlines of what his plan and purpose is for each one of us. God can speak in many ways. And it's not the way God communicates to, that, to us that matters most. But maybe the answer to this question, do I know something of what God's dream is for me and therefore the dream that I have? Do I have, do you have a dream? A picture that pulls you forward into what God wants to do with your life. A picture that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, A picture that you will be thinking, well, has that taken place yet? Have I become the person that God was calling me ultimately to be? That when my head hits the pillow at the end of it all, what kind of things will I know that were in God's heart for me to be part of? Something that propels me towards the goal. So, first question then about your dreams is, do you have one? Do you have one? Do you? have one. Might only be this outline, but is it there? However faint, however vague right now, do you have one? Something about your life where you feel God's pulling you forward, something more than just getting to the end of the day. Now we all go through seasons when getting to the end of the day seems like a pretty good achievement. When we're hanging on in there, and to make it to bedtime, you go, yes, I've done it, for another day. But if that's the whole of life, then something's wrong, wouldn't you agree? So we all go through dark valleys, we all go through those moments when we're clinging on by our fingernails. Maybe you're there right now, God bless you in that valley. But, but above and beyond those days, do we have that sense that God is calling us, growing us, designing us, pushing us, prodding us, propelling us forward. Here are a couple of verses that we need perhaps to recapture if we're not sure we've got that dream right now. And maybe this morning all you need is just permission to lift your head above the day and to start to see afresh Or for the first time, the dream that God might have for you. And you say, well, I'm not sure God's got any any plans or dreams for me. Well, his word says that he does. (laughs) And you can choose in this moment to believe how you feel or to begin to stretch your spiritual ears to listen to what God says. says. He says by your name whoever it might be, Margaret or Mark or Phil or Carrie or Liz or Paul, I 
I've got some plans for you. I know the plans I have for you. Maybe just for a moment, put your name there because it's true. Simon, God says to me, I know the plans that I have for you. It's, It's not a mystery to him. And you might be totally stressed out because you don't know which way your life is going. And in fact, you can't see your life going in any direction. Let me introduce you today to someone who knows. It's amazingly reassuring, don't you think? That there is someone who knows today. Who has some plans and purposes, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Something that's bigger than just getting through each day. And as Paul was to write to the church in Ephesus, uh, uh, um, in fact it was a letter that went around loads of churches. It was kind of like a a summary letter that that was true therefore for every Christian, for every saint, for every person that follows Jesus. He says, look, you need to know, again, your name, whatever it might be, Chris or Jane, anybody, your name, we are God's handiwork. Or, as the message puts it, we're God's masterpiece. It's not that there aren't things that are screwed up and messed up in your life. We all know that. We can see that. And you can see it about us. We can all see we're all messed up. But in the midst of that, the image of God in us, we are God's masterpiece, His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is a plan. There is a plan. Some of us don't cope well when we wake up in the morning and there's no plan. How many parents have survived the summer holidays barely keeping your kids alive because they've just experienced one mega really expensive crescendo experience and before you've got home they go, what are we doing tomorrow? (laughs) We went into the cinema a couple of weeks ago and just coming out was, uh, was some poor mother who was in the final stages of the summer holidays. You can just see it written all over her. And she'd obviously spent the last bit of holiday money on this film that they'd gone to see. They hadn't even left the cinema. Now it's half past four in the afternoon. The day is almost over. And the kid turned to the mum and said, what are we doing now? And if looks could kill, that kid was dead. (laughs) There is something about having a plan. Knowing what's happening, it builds safety and security. Hey, you might not know what it is, but listen, God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. He's got it all figured out. We are his workmanship, created for great things. And for some of you, I think this kind of moves into perhaps more of a prophetic word for some of you this morning. There is the more that God has for you. There is the more that God has for you. And these verses that are going up on the screen are often quoted and they're kind of a bit overused and a bit. But for some of you, this is absolutely true. God's saying it's time to wrap up the old things because I've got some new things in store for you. It's time to put away the past and to look and to see the new thing that I'm doing. You can't dream, you can't move on, you can't look at the future until you've locked away the past. 
And for some of us, that means we've got to release the past. We've got to repent from it. There are things we've messed up. There are things that others have done to us that have messed up our past. We need to offer forgiveness to people around us, maybe. Uh, we need to, 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 to know God touching some of the sore and wounded places in our lives. We need to wrap up the past because it's time to see the new thing that God is doing. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe, though, you're sitting there thinking, do you know what? I had a dream. I had a dream. But I think I might have lost it. Somewhere along the way, I've lost it. In fact, as you talk in the Simon, it's a bit irritating, really. It's unsettling me because I'm, I'm seeing visions and pictures of things that I used to dream were true. And I've kind of shut them off just a little bit. Or I've shut them off with a really tight lid. Thank you very much. Because we can lose our dreams. And maybe your dream today is lying under a pile of rubble. The, the rubble perhaps has many different rocks and bricks on it. There's a rubble of, of, of disappointment or, or regret. Dreams get lost because we have dreams and then things go wrong. Anyone had something go wrong in their lives? Do, do you know that things go wrong? And we have losses and bereavements and sadnesses and sicknesses and, and disappointment after disappointment and we're overwhelmed. Hey, join Joseph in his story. He's got a dream and it's about to kick off big time. If you don't know the story, come next week. You know, he's, he has all of that. He gets this dream and it all goes pear-shaped. All goes upside down. It all goes wrong. Dreams get lost under a pile of disappointment. Dreams get lost... Under, uh, under this rubble and one of those bricks, one of the, the, the kind of labels of the rubble for some of us will be our, our self-esteem. You see, our self-esteem's in the gutter. And we had this dream, but actually when push comes to serve, we can't believe that God would use us for anything useful because we don't feel very useful. In fact, the words that we speak to our, uh, to our insides is that we're useless. We're not really up to much. We're not really going to achieve very much. And actually, God's got this big dream, but, but we've lost it because we're too busy telling ourselves that we're no good and that God's wrong. We're too busy telling ourselves that we weren't God's handiwork after all. We're too busy reminding ourselves that that verse in Jeremiah is for all the other people. It just isn't for me. And we put this pile of rubble over our dreams and it's called lack of value or worth. It's about our identity and who we think we are or aren't as the case may be. Join many of the biblical characters who thought they weren't good enough. Moses goes, send somebody else because I'm hopeless. Gideon goes, I can't do it. And, and think up your own. Almost everyone in the Bible thought they couldn't do it. They all thought they couldn't make it. And we're rehearsing sometimes inside our head that I can't do it. And suddenly you realize that your story is their story. And we are those people in the Bible feel they couldn't do it and yet God's calling us wanting to give us dreams and visions uh, uh, dreams get lost because you're tired and worn out because you're busy one of the prophetic words we had this morning um, was, was very similar to this it was what was down there the enemy of the um, what was the last one you gave me what was the very last thing he gave me that wasn't written down here? Yeah, that's it. So the good, the good is often the enemy of the best. And, 
and we can be busy doing some good stuff. But I don't know about you, I don't dream very well when I'm busy, when I'm tired. And, and I, I was reminded again of Elijah. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? He had this vision of conquering the, the, the kind of um, the false gods. And he took on the prophets of Baal and had a huge success. And then the next day, where is he? He's down in the dumps going, I'm useless, I'm miserable, I can't do anything. Woe is me. Why? Because he's exhausted. Because he's worn out. Uh, I wonder sometimes whether the enemy just keeps us so worn out we can't dream anything anymore. We're so busy doing something, busy doing busy stuff, that we've lost that moment of, of being able to see afresh. This is it. This is what God's calling me to. The, the rest of it, I'll leave that for someone else because this is my bag. And this is what God's asking of me. So dreams get lost under the rubble of busyness, low self-esteem, disappointment, regrets, all that stuff. Dreams get lost because other people are not very encouraging. And I've been thinking about this lately. And I've got this theory, which is my working theory on why sometimes it's hard for us to be super encouraging of other people that are doing something pretty cool. And I think it's because when someone else steps out of their boat and starts to walk on water, we think, flipping act, maybe I should step out of mine. And it really challenges us. So when Andy goes, hey, God's been speaking to me for 20 years and I'm going to do something about it, we go, ooh, that's a bit awkward. And we want to cheer him on. But there's that sensible voice inside that wants to say, ooh, are you sure you're doing the right thing, Andy, for your career? You sure you ought to play it a bit safe? You sure that's the right thing to do? And we project, what are we doing? We're projecting what's going on in us onto somebody else. And I think it's why sometimes you think God's doing something brilliant and you're about to leap outside your boat and you expect everybody to cheer you on and they go, whatever. And it's because they don't want to step out of theirs. Uh, and, and, and it can get lost. We get surrounded by people that are going, oh, well, I'm going to stay in my boat because at least I know I'm safe in my boat. At least I know what happens in my boat. I've sat here for 150 years in my boat and it's fine. Storms will come, storms will go, but I'm in my boat. And, 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 we, can and we can squeeze. We can squeeze the life out of other people's Dreams. Hey, let's dust off our dreams together, shall we? Let's dust off the visions that God's placed in our hearts. Some of us, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Let's dust them off. And we have to, as we dust them off, repent. We have to say to God, I'm sorry, I've believed my own version of events. I've believed the circumstances around me. And I've taken my eyes off what I heard you say a long time ago. I stopped believing that your word is the word and I've added all my stuff into it and it's got lost somewhere in, in, the, in the passage of time. But it's not lost to God. It's not lost because he knows the plans. He knows the plans that he has for you. So we might need to say some sorries to God. We might need to repent from trusting our own voices. We might need to start sitting afresh 
and giving ourselves permission to dream, to get excited about it all over again. Now, some of you don't get excited about the dream because you were excited about it once and it got crushed for, for a shed load of all of these reasons we've been talking about and probably a shed load more. And so you feel really vulnerable about getting excited about the dream because you remember that you were there once before and it didn't end too well. You got hurt in the process. But you need to sit with the loving Father and allow Him to rekindle the dream. And probably you need flesh and blood on that. You need someone, find someone who you perceive loves Jesus more than you, who's wiser than you are, who can disciple you through and share with them the dream that you're dusting off. Why? So that they can encourage you. And as you speak it out, it takes on a reality in God's kingdom. As you speak it out, as you declare it to someone else, they can stand with you. And your dream can begin to live again. Maybe you're thinking, oh, this is a really awkward Sunday because I was about to give up on my dream. I was all set to pack it in. I was all set to put all those emotions and those experiences, to put them in a Tupperware box and put a lid on it. Tupperware box is kind of a... They used to have Tupperware parties, these people over here. Hands up if you went to a Tupperware party. Look at them go. Look at that. A sea of arms for the online audience. A sea of arms go up in Burlington Baptist Church. They attended a Tupperware party. Anyone know what Tupperware is over there? Absolutely, a little plastic box. You put a tight lid on it. Really exciting. Keeps the air out, keeps the smell in. Excellent. You still got some? Uh, yeah, we still got some too. Fantastic. What was I talking about? <laughs> Putting your dreams in a box, yeah. So you're at that point, right? You've had your dream. You've been hurt, perhaps disillusioned, fed up, totally cheesed off with the whole thing. You're about to put it in a box and go, oh, I can't do that anymore. I'm just going to pack that away. And, and there's, there's just someone here going, no, 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 maybe God's saying, you've got to hold on to this dream. And you, you need some people to help you. We all need people to help us hold on to our dreams. Who are you talking to about your dream? Don't give up your dream without sharing it with someone who's wiser in your perception than you are, who loves Jesus more in your perception than you do, who can disciple you through. Don't give up. I often thought about the early church who were about to give up on the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, persecuting the Christians. And then Ananias gets this message, hey, he's come to faith. Go and pray with him. And I often wonder how, how, how often we give up just before breakthrough. Just before it comes to fruition. Because the Bible has a theme. God speaks, and then... Lots of things happen that seem to contradict it, or just nothing happens. So God speaks, nothing seems to be happening, 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 still nothing happening, we're about to give up, nothing, suddenly breakthrough, just like that, out of nowhere. That's so often the story, I haven't got time to go through it this morning, but look at the scriptures again and again and again. When it looks like nothing, then suddenly... And I wonder how many times we get all the way over here and then we give up. And breakthrough was just, just a whisper away in God's purpose. Now let's be honest, it is harder the longer you go and you don't see anything coming to fruition to still hold on to the dream, isn't it? 
So there are things in my life, visions and pictures that I've had that have been fulfilled. There are others that haven't yet been fulfilled. And to be perfectly honest, the older I get, and it's all relative, these guys think I'm ancient, you guys think I'm still in nappies. So it's all relative. But the older I get, the harder it is to still believe God will break through in those areas that I haven't seen him break through yet in. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So it is harder. It is harder. And we're aware that we're giving God less time as well. But then suddenly, the breakthrough comes. So, oh, don't, don't give up today. Maybe, maybe you're so fed up with it. All you can go is, okay, I won't give up. I'll talk to someone about it. Shake the dust off it a little bit. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Living Bible translates this verse. I love it. It says, so let it grow. Let what God has planted in you grow and don't try to squirm out of your problems. Let it grow. Let it grow. And we need to help one another. You see, when you share it, Others can carry it for you. Others can believe it for you when you don't believe it yourself. We all need that. We all need people to reflect back to us and say, you know, that's what God said about you. You will do that when we're feeling we're useless, we can't do anything. Just like when Moses was um, leading the people, they were against the Amalekites, and as long as Moses held his hands up, and to be fair, he was exhausted with holding his hands up. He couldn't believe it anymore. He couldn't keep going anymore, and they came alongside. Some of us need others to hold up our dreams for a while. Because they're way too important to get lost. Because these are God's dreams. These are God's purposes. These are things that God has planned. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift that God has placed within you. So do you have one? Have you lost it? Are you about to give up on it? Two more questions very quickly. Is it big enough? Is your dream big, scary, and audacious? Because all God's dreams are that. There wasn't a dream in the Bible where the people said to God, come off it, that's too small. Give me something I can really go after. I can do that without trying. Stretch me a little. All the dreams are so big that when they come to fruition... Everyone and anybody can only say, only God did that. (laughs) That's amazing, God did that. Because they were always so big and so audacious. And some of us had an outline of the dream, and we kind of chugged our way towards the outline. And as we got nearer, we reduced it down to something that would fit in a Tupperware box. We reduced it down to something that we could contain. We brought God's dream down to our size. And what God is saying is, I want you to grow into the dream that is as big as the one that I have for you. And maybe kind of, kind of playing around with the dream that we've got, but we're bringing it in all the time to something that's manageable, something that's controllable, something that fits right. Excuse me, something that fits comfortably around who we are right now. And God's going, no, no, no. I, I want to I take you and grow this dream, this vision in you to something way bigger than you've ever imagined. There is more. There is more. 
And, and in all kinds of different ways, at all kinds of different moments in our life journey, we made a decision that there wasn't any more. We've all done that. We've all gone, this is it. In, in all kinds of... Take any strand, any theme of our lives, any, 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 any part of the journey, there will be moments when we've kind of effectively said, that's it. And God says, no, there's more. There's more. And, and I know perhaps that's hard for us to grasp as we get towards uh, the latter part of our lives because it feels like the best is behind us. And maybe one of those truths that Jesus illustrated needs just to settle on all our lives. Remember the wedding when he turned water into grape juice, was it? Was, was it? Was it? Into wine. That's awkward, isn't it? Jesus turned it into wine. Um, Jesus went into a bar with 12 of his disciples and he said, can I have 12 glasses of water, please? And he winked at his disciples. I thought that was funny. Sorry. I thought that was really funny. It's just a joke. There was no bar. He didn't walk into it with the 12 disciples. He was 2000 in Palestine, all that stuff, right? So um, he, he, he turns water into wine. And what do they say at the end? Why have you saved the... Till last, okay? In God's economy, the best is always still coming. Always. The best is still coming. And that needs to be worked out in a myriad of different ways in our lives. But to grab hold of the fact that however big our dream has been, there is more. Because this God is infinitely more than all we could ask or imagine. And his power is already at work within us. And maybe lastly, very quickly, your dream is it the right one? Is it the right one? Maybe you're thinking this morning, hey, I've had a dream. But somehow it's hitting a little bit at the spirit of this morning. You see, we've had dreams of other things. And this world is dreaming all kinds of things that it wants to be. Every Saturday night on X Factor, there are young people with dreams in their lives. Is your dream the right one. If you had to turn to the person next to you this morning and share honestly what, what, what it is you're really going after, if the truth be told, would you feel a little awkward about it this morning? That could be a sign that your dream's not altogether the right one. If you were to find someone who loves Jesus a bit more than you do and all that stuff and, and can disciple you and pull you forward and stuff, would you be really confident sharing your heart's desire with them? Or would you realize actually that maybe you're still chasing the wrong dream? You see, Saul had everything this world could offer. And Jesus stopped him on the road because he was chasing the wrong dream. And he ended up saying, actually I've come to discover that whatever my dreams were, it's doing the work of Jesus where it's really at. It's doing the work of Jesus that really brings me alive. It's doing the work of Jesus that makes me really sing and be who I should be. George Eliot, never too late to be what you always should have been. Is your dream the right one? So, 17 years of age, Joseph gets these dreams. All hell's about to break loose. And it's going to be an awful long journey. But he gets there. And together, it might be a long journey. And together, all hell on times does break loose. But in God's kingdom purpose, we're looking for breakthrough 
Because the best is yet to be. Let's pray.